0: welcome to father son entertainment talk a podcast where father and his son come together to bring you their views on life in various forms of entertainment it's time let's do this
1: welcome back listeners so great to be back with you here on father son entertainment talk and we are really happy to be back apologize for the delay in this episode it's just been a busy time for matthew with school and me with work But we are happy to be back and recording another episode with you this time, talking about X-Men The Last Stand, which is the third movie in the trilogy. And I asked Matthew if he would be okay with watching a five-part cartoon series on The Phoenix, because this movie heavily revolves around The Phoenix. And he was happy to do so. And this brought back a lot of nostalgia for me, because this is what got me into X-Men. Matthew, what would you think of the cartoon?
0: I thought it was good. I enjoyed watching it. Uh, A lot of the animation, you could tell it was definitely made in the 90s. (laughs) Yep. Even some of the voice acting felt very monotone. The characters didn't show a whole lot of expression, but I did enjoy watching it.
1: Yeah, and each episode, I think, was about 25 minutes, so it didn't take us a whole lot of time to get through all five, but it was very nostalgic for me just to watch again, and I think one of the first episodes that we saw... You heard Wolverine talking, and you asked me if that was the Wolverine voice that I modeled when I would read to you the book that <laughs> we so love to read together. And yep, that was in fact the voice I used.
0: Yeah, I could definitely tell.
1: So what did you think of the overall characters in X-Men? Any, uh, any ones that jumped out at you that you really enjoyed watching?
0: Well, obviously my favorite character in the cartoons was Wolverine. One character who I was very surprised about how they portrayed him was Professor X. He didn't seem as like friendly as he does in the movies. And like maybe that's not a good way to put it, but I just don't know how to describe him. He just seemed a lot different I, in the cartoons and in the movies.
1: Yeah, I know where you're coming from. Just a little bit more frantic, a little bit more angry at times. He just yeah. he wasn't as calm and cool and collected as he is in the movies. Yeah. Yeah, what'd you think of Gambit?
0: I liked Gambit. I thought he was a I thought he was a cool character. I like his power. I think it's very interesting as well.
1: Yeah, the fact that he can take a playing card and turn it into basically like a bomb and throw it at people, it's yeah. pretty cool. So my favorite character, Rogue, didn't have a huge presence in the five part series, but she's heavily involved in all of the other episodes of the cartoon. What'd you think of Rogue and her powers?
0: She was way too powerful. <laughs> I thought that she she definitely had a cool power. I feel like for the first like two, three episodes, she definitely didn't play a major role. But then I think the rest of the way through, her role was much more prevalent. Yeah. Again, I did enjoy watching this series and I did notice a little bit of a relationship between Rogue and Gambit. Is that just me or does that kind of happen like throughout the series?
1: It does happen. I think it's more so because they are both of Southern descent. So they're both from like the South, Louisiana, Alabama, etc. So I think that's where their relationship is. And I don't know that they ever had an actual uh, romantic relationship in the cartoon, but Ah. definitely have some ties because of their upbringing. All right, so this cartoon series was all about Phoenix, and you get to see Jean Grey become Phoenix, and it happens a little bit differently to how it happens in the movie. And I think... I think the cartoon aligns a lot better to the comics when the Phoenix comics ultimately came out, where Jean Grey gets to become Phoenix because of some interstellar spatial thing when she's flying into a planet or something like that. I can't fully remember.
0: When she flew into like the fire from the spaceship rockets.
1: Exactly. Yep, that's right. So that's essentially when Jean Grey becomes Phoenix in the cartoon, and then she ultimately helps to save the universe throughout the cartoon. And there's a lot of time that they're in space and in spaceships, which, again, very different to the movie. What did you think of the storyline for Phoenix in the cartoon series?
0: I thought that. It was really cool. I liked her powers. She was definitely more powerful even than Rogue in those episodes. She was a very cool character. She's like mystical, like from another universe, it feels.
1: Yeah, I think that was intentional. I think you were trying to go with she felt like she was out of this world, and that's exactly how she was. Yeah, Uh, She was some kind of mystical um, being that came to be Mm. because of this spatial event. And she was good, meaning she had good intentions, and she was you know, generally on the X-Men side throughout the entire five-part series, which is a little different to what you saw inside
0: of the movie, right? Yeah.
1: But you you noticed some similarities. Why don't you talk
0: about one of those similarities? The main similarity that I noticed is when she almost became Phoenix in a sense, or like when the X-Men discovered that she became Phoenix, which was when she exploded out of the water in the cartoon series. It was when... The x-men's spaceship crashed and all of them had made it out except for gene and then she like exploded out of the water and basically like announced that she was phoenix and then like kind of passed out and just fell into the water and so wolverine and cyclops saved her and then x-men last stand she came out of the water even though everybody thought she was dead due to being crushed by hundreds of thousands of tons of water so that's like the main similarity that i noticed
1: yeah, and in the movie, she came out of that same lake that she was in right after the whole thing with Stryker and them yeah. trying to leave the, that area. In the cartoon, she came out of the water in Ireland because she was staying with Dr. Myra or Moira, I forget her last name, who was one of Xavier's good friends. But it was in Ireland, and that's where she arose out of the water And Dr. Moira makes an appearance into X-Men Last Stand as well as a doctor. I don't know if she's from Ireland, but she was seen on TV talking about... what, What exactly was she talking about again?
0: She was talking about how there was some guy who didn't have any consciousness in the upper half of his body. And she was shown on TV, Professor X was showing her documenting that this guy's body to his students to basically ask them so that if it was possible to put the conscience of a man with stage four cancer in this guy's body, would that be moral?
1: Yeah, that's right. He was uh, teaching his class and that's what he was using her documentary on. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, anything else with the cartoon, or do you want to jump right into the movie? Let's just jump into the movie. All right, good. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with you.
0: This is where you'll usually hear some type of an advertisement, but we don't really have any of those. Uh, We're just going to ask you to please subscribe for more content. Make sure to comment with feedback for future podcast episodes and to just let us know how we're doing.
1: All right, we're back here to talk about X-Men Last Stand. We talked a little bit about the cartoon in the first half. Now we get to talk about the movie, which, as you may recall, Bub, I was letting you know this was the most intense of the three, my favorite of the three for sure. A lot of that had to do with the shock factor. Before we get into any of that, I do want to make sure that everybody's clear. There will be some spoilers here. So if you have not seen this movie, make sure... You go watch it if you want to see it or understand that you're going to get hit with some spoilers as we talk about some of the big shock factor moments that we saw in the movie.
0: And there really were big shock factors. So again, if you do like being surprised, it probably would be better to watch the movie.
1: All right. Well, let's jump right into probably the first of the big shock factors of the movie, which is very early on. We see a very popular X-Men depart. Talk about who departed Bub and what happened.
0: Cyclops died, which was shocking, honestly. I could not believe it. And the way he died was very sad and a little bit pathetic. Like, if, like it would have been better if he had died in more of a cool way, but he basically got disintegrated when he saw Phoenix who he thought was still Jean Grey. And she basically told him, like, "You, I can make it so that you're, so that you can see me without your goggles because he had goggles on to keep from blasting people with his, with his eyes. And then she started kissing him. And then because of that, he started disintegrating and he just blew apart into a million tiny pieces. Crazy death and
1: a big shock factor. So early on in the movie, it was yeah. probably in the first 15, 20 minutes that Cyclops dies. And then... Yeah, there's another big one coming up a little bit later, but we do find that the rest of the X-Men are able to find Gene. They don't know where Cyclops is, but they do find out later on that Gene was, in fact, the cause of his death, or technically Phoenix was the cause of his death.
0: And the way that we find that out is actually very sad because Gene is back at the mansion Professor X had put kind of like a mental was trying to like restore mental barriers around Phoenix because through like true full power that ever became unleashed, then she would become evil.
1: Not only evil, but just the most powerful mutant in the planet because they weren't aware of any other mutant that had that kind of
0: power. Yeah. So Logan stupidly woke her up and then like she tried to disintegrate him almost as well, seductively, sadly. And Wolverine kind of held back and was like, no, prof- the professor said she might be different. And then she, he kind of got the information out of her that she had killed Cyclops. And then she turned evil again and blasted him into a wall and <laughs> walked out.
1: <laughs> yep. She is powerful. So one of the things that I think is important for us to talk about is the villain in this movie. and. If you remember the first two movies, the true villain was, in my opinion, human in nature. At least definitely in the second one was Stryker. The first one, yeah, maybe probably Magneto being more the primary villain. But even the Senator was very villainous as well. In this one, I don't even know that the human was necessarily a villain. Apparently they found a mutant that can actually stop mutant powers whenever that mutant is by an actual mutant. And so they were using his blood and everything to try to
0: come up with a quote-unquote cure to cure someone from becoming a mutant. And this was a very controversial topic. And that's why, in my opinion, the main villain wasn't necessarily a human or a living being. It was a medicine. And mutants who didn't want it were going to try to attack or protest depending on whether or not they were violent or peaceful. Or mutants were going to take it so that they could come back into society without feeling judged.
1: Right, and they weren't forcing it on mutants at this point, no. right? They were making it voluntary, uh, which is you know a little different to what we're experiencing in our world today. But <laughs> that said, there was some comments throughout the movie from mutants around it's voluntary now, just wait until it becomes mandatory.
0: Mainly Magneto was saying that.
1: Yeah, and so that led Magneto, in fact, to start building up an army and an army to go against this pharmaceutical company that was creating this drug to try to cure mutants. And so in reality, the true villains in this one were in part, I think I agree, Bub, the medicine, also Magneto, also Phoenix, and also the potential of the future mandates that would likely come from X-Men or mutants being required to take this
0: and, like, we've seen humans try to either kill or change mutants before, and we see it in this movie with certain parents of mutants trying to get their kids to take that serum. So, I could completely see how ultimately a mandate of sorts would start up for mutants to try to get them to take the serum.
1: Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about Phoenix now, because she definitely was more evil than good. And they, they made that crystal clear, especially when Xavier and Magneto go back to the source. There was a scene of them from, call it 20 years ago, where they went to Jean's house to try to bring her back to Xavier's school. They knew that she was an incredibly powerful mutant back then. And they show back up at her house after she leaves Xavier's school in the present day. And that's sure enough where she is. And both Xavier and Magneto knew that she was going to go there. So they both showed up there at the same time. They go in and we get the next big shock factor, which in my opinion was even bigger than Cyclops dying.
0: It was the biggest and the saddest.
1: Yeah. Why don't you talk about what happened in that scene?
0: Well, first of all, both Professor Xavier and Magneto were both trying to recruit Jean back to either of their sides. And Jean was, like, basically blasted Magneto into the kitchen. But Xavier stayed, or somehow, I don't know how he managed to stay in his wheelchair, but he somehow, his wheelchair stayed on the ground, and he was in the room with her, and she basically lifted him up in the air and slowly disintegrated him into a million pieces. And I think one of the saddest parts of that was that Wolverine who had awakened her was watching the whole thing. So in a way he almost like played a part in the professor's death. And I think he knew that. So, but that was such a sad scene.
1: It was a sad scene. And then the following scene was equally as sad because then they're doing a memorial for both Xavier and Cyclops. But I want to get to close to the end now, because I think we're coming up on time here. The ending scene where Wolverine and Jean are kind of in this battle together fighting each other to a degree, was really cool, and I loved the special effects that they used. So Gene was basically just killing everybody, and and Logan knew he was the only person that could get close enough because of his healing power to actually kill her and stop her.
0: And it really makes you question how powerful Wolverine truly is if he was able to withstand a Class 5 mutant like Gene. And I get that he's probably not a Class 5, but he is definitely extremely powerful. And the effects, I agree, were very impressive.
1: Yeah. And when you think about who Wolverine is and the fact that his primary power is his healing power. Yeah. And on top of that, they made his bones indestructible. Yeah. I mean, it's part man made, part mutant. And he is super powerful and he was able to get so close to Gene and it was cool because there was this thing circling Gene and it was ripping everything apart and you could kind of see Wolverine's skin peeling apart and then he would move back a little bit and then it it, would heal. And then he would get closer again and it would peel off again. And then when he got so close, you saw his sternum through his skin ripping apart and underneath his skin was this metal adamantium sternum, which was so cool looking. Did you catch that?
0: I didn't catch the metal part. I just saw like a lot more than just the second layer of skin.
1: But yeah, I could actually see his sternum coming down his chest and it was metal, which is was cool. really cool. But then he ends up getting close to her and he ends up making her realize that she is still, in fact, Jean, which I think is a big reason he was able to also stop her because anyone else going to her would have never been able to convince her or remind her that she was Jean and help slow down her powers at that point for him to ultimately kill
0: her like dad said wolverine was kind of slowly getting torn apart and his healing factor was keeping him alive long enough so that he could get to gene and basically tell her i need to kill you so that you can stop living this nightmare of being phoenix and so that i can save everybody else and then he took out his claws and stabbed her And it was sad, but just like seeing the look of peace on because you could see as he stabbed her, the phoenix kind of slowly left her and you could see Jean again, looking very peaceful and almost happy. And it was really sad.
1: Yeah. But the third very popular mutant to die in one movie, was pretty crazy.
0: Yeah. This movie was just so full of shock factors.
1: So we didn't talk about this. We'll round out the episode with this last point about Magneto and the fact that Magneto was stuck with the cure, towards the end of the movie, that was the only way they could stop him and Pyro and all the other evil mutants.
0: And so he effectively lost his power. And the way that they managed to stick him was pretty cool. Yeah. They used Wolverine as a diversion and then Beast, Beast. stuck Magneto with the serum, which was a cool scene to see, just seeing them outsmart Magneto for probably the first time.
1: Yep. And then they all round about the very end of the movie. They come back to Magneto sitting at a chessboard uh, with metal pieces. And you almost wonder if he's wishing he could play with Charles again, because him and Charles used to play chess. Sorry, Charles being Professor X. And he does stick his finger on top of one of the pieces, and it rattles ever so slightly, and then the credits
0: pop up. I thought that that was a really cool scene, and it did send chills down my spine I'm not gonna lie (laughs) but I think that the coolest part and it, it really seemed like a fitting ending because the very first scene in the first movie was of Magneto when he was a kid and when his powers first popped up and then the ending of the last scene in the last movie was Magneto almost it seemed like he was almost regaining his powers so it did feel like a very fitting ending to the series. Great
1: point. I didn't think about the fact that he opened up the first movie in Germany during the whole concentration camps and everything. And sure enough, he closes out the third movie. And I just love the open-endedness of it because they don't ever get to a a movie four of this series. They definitely introduced new X-Men movies, but this kind of canon is now done and they left it very open to everyone's imagination as to what you think happens to Magneto. Does he get his powers back? And what happens to mutants after that? Great. Well, anything else to add on the movie, Bub?
0: I thought it was really good, honestly. Probably my second favorite of the series. Uh, I did really like it. There were a lot of shock factors, but overall, I really enjoyed it. and And I did like the ending. The final scene with Magneto was great. But even like the quote-unquote like happy ending where the Xavier School for Gifted Students Stayed open and was continuing to welcome mutants and mutants and humanity were starting to form a peaceful relationship.
1: I think the shock factors are probably what made it the best of the three for me. I I liked one, two was okay. This one just blew me away with everything that happened throughout the movie and all the deaths and and I'm not one to love seeing main characters die in a movie, but it does bring in some serious shock factor and makes you just blown away by the fact that they could kill off such popular characters in a movie so and make the movie work yeah and they absolutely did on this one well i think that closes out the series x-men really enjoyed watching this with you Bub, especially being my favorite comic and thanks for taking time to not only watch the movies but watch the cartoons as well that was really nostalgic
0: absolutely it was great watching those with you
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about what's in store for upcoming episodes. Matthew and I haven't chatted a whole lot about what's to come. We definitely want to pivot a little bit from movies. You know, we've talked about books in the past. We've talked about spoken word. And I think we would like to pivot at least from the movies for a little bit. And we'll maybe get back to Marvel or some other movies I know Braveheart is a movie I want to watch at some point with you. That is my far and away favorite movie of all time, and we'll definitely do a podcast episode on that. Any books that you want to read that maybe we can preview with the listeners?
0: Well, I think that a great book series to do would be the Chronicles of Narnia series.
1: Ah, very interesting. So I read Line the Witch in the Wardrobe when I was a kid. I did not read any of the others. I've watched a movie or two here and there, so... Yeah, I think I'd love to do that. Maybe we do a couple of the books, break it up a little bit, yeah, and then we'll bring back the later books at some point. I also want to read Tom Sawyer with you at some point, so we'll do an episode on that in the future as well. All right, sounds good. All right, well, this was probably a little bit of a longer episode than usual, but we had a lot to say, so... Thanks all for sticking around and listening and look forward to bringing you future content as we talked about bringing some book reviews over the course of the next couple months. My name is Ryan Campbell. My name is Matthew Campbell. Thanks for listening.